Welcome to the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, thanks for joining me today. This is Al Adamson. I'm the founder and executive director of the People Analytics and Future of Work community and event series. And I am extraordinarily excited today to be with my longtime friend and colleague, Sanya Lucina. Thank you for being here, Sanya. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Al. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing outstanding. And I'm finally uh, you know, so excited that we're making this work. And you are in this role at Globant that is extraordinarily unique insofar as you are the head of the Future of Organizations studio. Can you share a little bit about the studio and yourself? Yes, absolutely. So thank you um, for the opportunity here to be able to share a little bit about myself and my experiences. So um, I've been with Globend for a little bit over a year and a half, and I joined the organization because I thought this idea of what the studio was building was really tremendous. So to give you a little bit about my background, to put it in context, I'm a PhD in organizational psychology. I lived in the U.S. for a long time, for a little bit over 20 years. I'm currently based out of Buenos Aires, so I had the pleasure of working all around the world, <laughs> touching analytics in, in the U.S., in Europe, now in Latin America, and working with Asia as well. And so when, with my background in organizational psychology, my passion has always been to help people be happier at work. And the way that that passion manifested itself was sometimes different. Sometimes I worked with organizations on how do they select people better. Um, I worked a lot with organizations on employment brand. And so the aspects were always changing. But the idea of why I went into this field is I thought there's got to be a better way for us to create organizations, create companies where people really, really felt energized and excited about what they do every day because it's it's just such a big part of who we are. Yeah. And so when I moved to Argentina, I discovered Globin. And Globin, as an organization, it's a little bit over 8,000 employees globally. It's a technology company. First and foremost, the company partners with different organizations to help them build different software, different processes, et cetera. And what my team does as a part of that is we think about all of these organizations across the world are going through changes. They're growing. They're thinking about um, how to be bigger, how to be better, how to succeed. And how do you make employees really excited about that? How do you make employees feel that every day when they walk into the workplace, they feel, wow, I'm really part of something larger than myself? And I really understand how to make a difference and I feel empowered to do that every day. So that's my role. My role at Globin is really understanding what organizations are going through today, especially when it comes to digital transformation, which everybody is talking about these days. But then how do these organizations actually create a culture that helps their employees thrive. And that actually comes from within Globin too, being a digitally native company. Mm-hmm. That's something that we look at very closely for every single one of our employees. How do we make sure that we create a space where whether it's somebody virtually joining every morning, maybe from their home office or from the client or stepping through one of our many office doors, how do they feel empowered and energized that they're really truly making a difference with their work? Yeah. And yeah, God, just listening to you talk, it gets me all fired up because you are very uh, empathetic. You are very aware of the experiences workers are having day to day and how organizational leaders can consciously create this culture and customer connection. Obviously, data 
is coming out of these digital processes. And yes. we have to use that data responsibly, creatively, and so forth. So can you yes. speak to how this thing called people analytics uh, is enabling these conscious creations of culture? Yes, absolutely. So one of the interesting things about culture, when I've, when I've spoken with a lot of leaders, is they'll say, you know, we want to create it, but it's really difficult for us to know, are we creating it correctly? Are things working? It's one of those things that for a lot of people seems really intangible, which is interesting, right? Because a lot of times there are so many different concepts in, in HR and in people teams that we've talked about where we think, how do we, how do we quantify something and how do we show value? And so that was one of the exciting things about some of the work that we do is you know, creating a culture has to come from within. It has to come from a leader's vision, the idea of this is what we want our organization to do. This is the values that we want to share with our employees and how we want them to approach every day, right? So the idea of setting that up sits with leadership since it sits with that, the vision and the visionaries. However, one of the things that becomes interesting is in how do you manifest that? How do you make sure that when your employees are part of every day, that they understand that, that they're excited about it yeah. and how do they contribute, right? And so that's a lot of times where technology comes in. So one, one of our you know, taglines is technology enhancing humanity. And in our team, we really believe that. So you need that humanity piece, but then how do you bring things through effectively? And so with the technology, one of the things that we do, one aspect of our work is creating a culture where, for example, people can recognize each other when they live up to the organizational values. So it's not necessarily a high five because you brought me donuts. <laughs> maybe, maybe if it's tied to one of our organizational values. But for example, at Globend, um, we have six and some of them are thinking big and innovating and being a team player. And so what happens is when you have technology powering that, if I have a really amazing meeting with one of my colleagues, I can walk away and publicly recognize them. Right. And that creates nice. a social tissue between us. It also makes them feel better about what they do. And it gives transparency to the rest of the organization to be able to see and understand one, as an organization, we really appreciate the values that we have and we really follow them. And two, it gives them an example of how they can do it themselves. Right. Yeah. So that's that's how the technology empowers that. But then the analytics behind it is really the even more powerful part. So as a leader, if I'm asking my employees to behave a certain way um, and approach their work a certain way, how do I know if they're doing that? Absolutely. And so when I have analytics behind it, all of a sudden it's real time. It's very natural, right? So I'm not doing a survey and asking my employees, hey, are different individuals following these behaviors? What's going on? But actually in these very natural human daily interactions, I can start to keep a pulse on that social network of my employees and start to understand some really, really key dynamics mm -hmm. that with the lack of that information, I wouldn't be able to know. So which one of my values are really strong in the organizations? Are there some that I actually need to amplify because maybe the employees don't understand what it is, or maybe we don't give them enough opportunities to think big or enough opportunities to innovate? Is there something that we can be doing differently? How connected are my employees, right? So if you have, whether you have multiple offices in the same country, or you have remote workers, or you have employees all around the world, the idea of the connection between them. Yeah. Are they connected? Do they, do they like each other, right? Because right. maybe sometimes just writing an email and having a phone call, sure, there's a connection, but I'm actually enjoying the relationship with that person. Yeah. 
And then how likely are people to leave my organization, right? So if I can create this really strong tissue between employees, what we've seen in our data is they're more likely to stay. And then we thought, huh, you know, that's actually really interesting. Why is that happening? So we ran an external survey when we found that I actually haven't seen that much in, in the literature that I follow is that one of the key reasons why employees stay with an organization is because of their relationships with their colleagues. Yeah. So yeah. if you think about a lot of times when we think about culture, we think about motivation, we think about how that impacts productivity, but we don't talk about relationships as much. And now we're seeing over time how truly powerful those can be. So those are those are just a few examples of how we've seen technology work really well to actually get people connected. But then also in the back end, that power of giving you that visibility and may, in a way making the what was previously invisible visible, mm-hmm. empowering you with so much data to be able to say, ah, today I understand my culture a lot better. But not only that, I have data to be able to see if I start to move around some things and change some things, is it effective or not? And how do I continue to manage my culture and shape it long term? I absolutely love it. And I have a a temptation to go into detail because I know you've done some great work around performance, which obviously affects how people think and feel about their contribution. But before going to that theme, I want to actually step back and pick up on something that you, you mentioned. You mentioned leaders own culture. And what I am finding is that not many organizations have created the space for the leadership to really talk about the possibilities of what they can do with the employee experience and creating this culture. They say, well, I've I've been enrolled for 30 years. I I, I haven't grown up with this. Why do I need it now? So can you speak to this notion, for lack of a better term, of governance and creating the space among leaders and and how HR, specifically CHRO, head of talent, head of culture, whomever it might be, can facilitate leaders coming together? Because your background is unique. You have psychology, you have an IT bent, you have a business <laughs> bent. And so these dis- these disciplines have been disparate and they actually yes. mirror the f- functions within an organization. And we need arguably to get better at bringing these disparate functions together to create yes. these holistic experiences. So can you speak to that a bit? Yes, absolutely. And so one of the things that we see is all of us only have so many hours in a day, right? And so when you're at when you ask somebody to take charge of something or to change maybe how they do their daily work, they they will ask themselves why. Maybe they won't ask you <laughs> because if you're coming and and asking for them to to engage in a different kind of way, maybe they'll just say, Okay, I would love to, but in a very in some ways unselfish ways, what's in it for me? How does this impact me? So there are a few different things. I think from from a standpoint of setting a, a vision of, or organizational values, I think leaders need to think about that. They need to own that. They need to lead by example. But one of the things that we oftentimes talk with leaders about is, well, what impact are they trying to make in their business, right? Because when it comes to people, we're constantly communicating, we're talking with our teams, but I think sometimes leaders, especially if they're not coming from HR, from the people functions, need to understand what is it in my communication with a team that not only is going to impact their satisfaction at work, but will actually help us collaborate better. So it's understanding with that with that leader, well, what are you looking to achieve? Are you looking to achieve, you know, if you're um, a CIO or an IT function or technology function, this great new next product release? 
or some some kind of success in that area or if you're in sales what are your revenue goals what are your revenue numbers and then how does all of that the data and the insights tie into what they look to achieve right because one of the things so with technology and it's interesting because i said you know leaders own the culture really all of us do every single employee every single leader now what we've seen is that when you have strong leaders and they follow by example it's incredible we see that in data how the employees also become engaged and all of a sudden it fuels this cultural machine in a very different kind of way because the leader's role in that and setting that example all of a sudden actually become smaller because they've empowered every single one of those employees to be leaders themselves, maybe not by title, but certainly by behavior. And what we've been able to see in data too is that a lot of times um, there are differences in organizations and how the leadership engages and then how their employees follow suit, right? Mm. But I think oftentimes to be able to convince leaders of what their role in all of that is, is through data. Because you might say, hey, you need this initial investment, right? So maybe now we have technology. And so your behavior where it impacted maybe your team of 10 and 20 or 20 or some others that you were interacting with before on one-to-one basis, right? Because even if you're a CEO, you're not directly in interacting with every single employee every day but with technology what happens is you take a step back and every one of your actions is incredibly amplified and now can reach everybody in the organization but the way for people to understand that is is really through data Mm -hmm. and to be able to show them that impact because it might sound like oh that sounds nice but is it really no no no. now this transparency has completely changed and all of a sudden every one of your actions every one of your great things that you do, everybody can see, and all of a sudden it impacts them and touches them in, in many different ways. Yeah. So that's that's one of the things with data. Another example where, you know, you mentioned um, cross functions and how do you bring people together. So it's incredible because we have so many different data points that we look at, but what resonates with an organization is so different based on what, what their challenge is today. So we have several clients that grow through mergers and acquisitions, right? Mm-hmm. And so their executive leadership is saying, one of the things that we need to make sure is that the culture is consistent because especially for organizations that are consumer facing, when a company gets acquired, whether that customer experience is the right. same is incredibly <laughs> powerful. And Absolutely. it very much is a testament to how successful an acquisition is going to be in a market. Because if the company that did the acquisition presumably has a good brand and has really good strategies, they need to understand that these employees are following those same values. And if they are, we see much higher success rate in those acquisitions because all of a sudden the customer's get that same kind of interaction. So think about that now. So that is culture, but that goes to the CEO, that goes to the mergers and acquisitions team, um, that probably goes to the finance team because there's going to be revenue implications. Um, It might also go oftentimes to the technology team because it may create the sense of urgency around, well, what tools do we have as an organization to empower these employees or help these employees to do their job well? And so that kind of data, if you sit down and you go through a merger and acquisition and say, listen, 
this is your new acquisition. This is what the expectation is going to be over time, how they're going to integrate with the rest of your business. We're going to start to measure that today. In two months, we'll sit down and say, there are some red flags because based on what we're seeing on this data, they've integrated really well in this sense, but there's some key values that maybe they still haven't internalized. Mm -hmm. So let's talk to, maybe we do a training, maybe do we do an immersion course, maybe it's a conversation with leadership. There are very specific things that we can do, but all of a sudden it, it really gives clarity and the ability for all of these different teams to look and say, we all have a vested interest in making this success. And this is the people data that we have because ultimately the faster we get these people on board and understanding what our organization about is about and productive, the faster the business will see the ROI. So really is a win-win across yeah. all of these different disciplines. So inherent in what you're saying, just to play that back a bit, is if you don't take this approach as an organizational leader, whether you be the CHRO, head of finance, CEO, or whomever, then there's a cost. You're forgoing an opportunity, elevating risk. Is that a fair statement, uh, number one? Yeah. It is a fair statement. And I wish I knew off the top of my head. Recently, there was a study um, that <laughs> showed some really scary results of mergers and acquisitions. And it was something over 80% of them don't work out. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when you think about why, how can we measure that? How can we actually make sure to stay ahead of that? This is the kind of data, unfortunately, that I think a lot of organizations don't pay attention to yeah. um, that would provide a lot of additional visibility for them to be successful. Yeah. So, you know, again, I want to play something you know, back for you in, in this way. You talked about culture and talk about data, and oftentimes organizations kind of get lost. They think that data is going to come at the end of a process because these technologies are implemented to stand up a process, improve a process. And as they go, okay, you know, how do I measure this? And it's like they didn't think about that at the outset. So you know, can you speak to this idea of you know, how are insights actually going to be not only utilized at the end of the day, but appropriately created at the outset. Because, you know, yeah. as, a, as a researcher yourself, you know, if you don't have the right data, you're not going to yes. get the, the right insights. And if we're going yeah. to be formulating talent strategies, that talent yeah. acquisition, compensation, communication, you know, all that stuff, then we're yeah. going to need the right inputs. And, yes. you, know, you know, again, you know, can you speak to that? And this might be a good segue into the work that you've done on performance as well. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things, and, and maybe it's, I'm lucky in some ways with the customers I get to talk with, but one of the things that's had me really excited over the last year and a half that I've been with, with Globin is that's when I started to be able to really talk about culture and analytics, right? Mm -hmm. And prior to that, my my role was really purely focused on analytics and labor market data and um, using using information for those informed decisions. And I, so I thought, okay, I'm going to focus more on culture, but really analytics is in my DNA. And so I have to make sure that no matter what it is <laughs> that I do in any job, I bring that, I bring that to the table. And so when I had conversations with, with different stakeholders that were thinking about culture, investing in culture, and it would talk to them a little bit about what it is that we do in our, about our technology what was really incredible and actually really, really reassuring for me is that when I would do a product demo and I would show the front end of the system and it looks really great and it's, you know, it's very engaging and they would say, oh, that's really nice. And then I would flip to the data. So usually I have my meetings that's, you know, one half 
the employee experience and how they interact with the technology in the second half is, is all about analytics, that's when they would like sit up and lean in. <laughs> and I thought, wow, the world really is changing because they said, we need to know this. Mm. We need to create the space for our employees and we need to give them something engaging because if it's not, they won't use it. We've tried that before, but the data is when their eyes opened. And to me, I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it now because I think, wow, no, you know, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of questions around, well, how do we use it? What do we look at? When is the right time? Yeah. Um, but what's really great for me is that you can tell that they need that and you can tell that their their desire for it. And again, sometimes we get the questions that's, well, how soon can we have insights? Yeah. How soon can we actually do something with this? And of course, that varies from organization to organization to say, hey, you know, we're <laughs> okay, so the sooner the better that we start because then you can start to collect that information. And then depending on the volume of your people and what you're looking to do out of it in the first month, in the first two months, you can understand your starting point, right? Your baseline, because a lot of organizations don't have that. And so the nice thing here, again, with some of these technologies in the market today, and especially something that we really think about when we're building ours, is how do we make sure that we collect data from day one, whether our customers are ready to use it or not, exactly. they need to start to understand that information. Yeah. And then how, how do we coach them through that process? Because one of the things too is because again, it's information that they haven't had before. It's really eye-opening for them from the beginning. And it might be for different reasons. It might be that they didn't understand that certain groups were not connected at all. Because again, we talk about different organizational functions, but oftentimes, you know, in ONA and organizational network analysis, we think about how are these teams crossed and where, where are those relationships happening? But not all organizations have necessarily arrived to that. So a lot of times this is their first step into seeing, wow, I had no idea that our team in India is not really talking to our team in the U.S. as much. I thought, you know, they have all these calls and different things every day, so they're interacting, but based on this data, their relationship still leaves something to be desired. There's still mm -hmm. an opportunity to really improve that, and we didn't know because there are all these structured touch points, yet it seems based on this information that the strength of their relationship can still be improved. And so how do we improve that? So I think to me, when an organization is going through a change, to help them understand that the data is a critical part for them to just know, is it working? Because if you don't have that from the onset, you don't, you don't know where your starting point is. And then no matter what, working <laughs> is an interesting term, right? Because yeah. In culture, it's it's always evolving. There's so many different components to it. There's so many different ways that it can come to life that it's really understanding, having this better clarity of where are we today? And then based on where we are today, what do we want to impact with the greatest urgency? And is the way that we're impacting it actually working? And it's very similar to a lot of different, the way other parts of the organizations think about it in a sales strategy. You might think about, okay, so who is my target market? I'm going to try this strategy. Is it successful? You have numbers. Absolutely. So in many ways, it's natural for us in other parts of the business. But then what's great is when you take data as a, as a people function and you go to your head of sales and you go to your head of finance, they're so used to working with data and they're mm -hmm. so used to in many ways having things black and white that now the conversation changes. And you can say, hey, I know that you're about to review your quarterly numbers. Let's look at some of your people data and understand how are your team dynamics helping your numbers or where can your team dynamics maybe be improved to help your numbers in the future? 
I'll pause there and then I'll talk a little bit more about performance data because that's where the culture starts to go into some more traditional performance analytics. Yeah. And yeah, I, I love, absolutely love what you're saying because what I'm hearing as a key takeaway is the appetite for data has to be there. There's been this kind of reticence uh, historically within HR. It's like, well, it's not totally accurate. It's not 100% representative. It, we're t- at the end of the day talking about probabilities. We're not talking yeah. about absolute certainty. And we have to uproot from that a bit, correct me if I'm wrong, when you're talking about yeah. individual team and organizational behavior. It, we are open systems, the weather, the relationships at home are going to impact how they think and feel. What leaders do culturally is going to also impact that, but it's yes. also going to, it's going to do that to an extent. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be creating, analyzing, and utilizing data-driven insight. Yeah. It means that we have to find that optimal you know, point of data use and the uh, generation of you know, the appropriate insights, I'll call yeah. it. And that goes back to performance. And we've long yes. talked about performance where I, you know, oh, got, we have this performance data. <laughs> well, how, how good is that data? What do people think about, yeah. you know, the quality of that data? And they're like, oh, it's horrible. Then why are you using it? So, and, yes. and you you have obviously given this yeah. a lot of thought and, you know, a lot of energy. So can you yes. share, you know, some of your perspectives on that? Yes, I would love to. And so, of course, um, <laughs> As a psychologist and as somebody that's, you know, been in this space for a while, it's been interesting because it's, I've been thinking about this for a long time and how things have evolved and also how they haven't. And so one of the things that, um, you know, we're so passionate about and I'm so passionate about is the idea of, yes, you're managing somebody's performance and all of us have specific goals that we're trying to achieve. Yet one of the things that we continue to run into challenges is, well, a goal might be an absolute, right? You either achieved it or you didn't achieve it. If it's a good goal, you know (laughs) what you need to do to achieve it and how to, you know, get there. And so let's say you even have that good goal and maybe you worked really hard and you didn't get there. Why? How much information do we know about why that didn't happen? And so we've taken a step back and started to think about, you know, and in a lot of performance management systems, I've seen goals, goals, competencies, goals, competency. (laughs) And, you know, when you think about somebody's final evaluation, people might say, ah, yes, you know, it's 80% on if somebody achieved their goal and 20% on, you know, their evaluation of competencies. But if you take a step back, it's those competencies, it's those skills that will help you either achieve that goal or not. And so what we're really looking at is creating this foundation of how can somebody, and I'll use a crazy buzzword, but I have to, um, how can somebody get continuous feedback, but on their competencies and on their skills to be able to understand what is it that I can actually improve or what am I really, really good at and how do I leverage those things to actually achieve my goals Mm -hmm. or improve my performance to achieve goals? Or how do I maybe as a leader have more clarity around what is my team really good at? Because then when I need to select somebody for a big project, I'm going to choose somebody for their strength, mm-hmm. right? But how do I know what they're strong at if the only thing I've ever measured in performance is whether they achieved a goal or not? If yeah. I don't have that why, how do I get to that why? <laughs> I, I get so excited when we're talking about this because what you're talking about inherently is having someone assess uh, themselves to an extent, obviously get the the feedback from a manager or potentially, you know, colleagues. But at the end of it, it's a 
opportunity to coach, to upskill, to get better. Yes. And not only for their own sake, but for the organization's sake, because they yes. can more, become more findable within a system. In other words, the data is better. Um, so yeah, that celebrates the uniqueness of an individual. And yes. it also gets away from this point where we think the managers have omniscient knowledge of, you know, yeah. how someone, you know, is doing and they don't stay in curiosity and, and that growth <laughs> mindset. So can you speak to that uh, a little bit as yes. you start to wrap here? Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that we look at is, so you're absolutely right, a lot of times performance management is owned so much by the manager and the employee and it's a two-way system. And one of the things that we've seen in our data is that when you get continuous insights from your colleagues, from different people that projects touch, that you work on, the perceptions can be very different. So what I've seen in performance data that we collect is if you look at a specific skill or a competency, the exact same individual can get a really great remark or it's an opportunity to improve depending on how they use it in a different situation and how different individuals view them. Mm -hmm. And then you have some people that are just absolute rock stars in certain area, absolute rock stars in the ability to think big, absolute rock stars in the ability to innovate. And then you have other people that are real rock stars in the ability to pull a project through. Mm -hmm. And so you start to really understand more about an individual, but not from just the manager standpoint and not one point in time. Exactly. But it happens over time. It happens with these different interactions. So I spoke a lot about culture and I spoke a lot about people exchanging information and this ongoing recognition to show the values. But one of the things that we've seen is how incredibly that can impact the more traditional performance management and the more traditional understanding of what are my employees' strengths and more my employees' opportunities to improve. Because all of us that interact have a point of view about one another. Absolutely. It's incredibly valuable to that individual. It's incredibly invaluable to me as an employee to know what my leader thinks about me, what my team thinks about me, what my peers think about me, and think about that on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. Because it's not something, it's something that if I know I presented something really well in a meeting, I can leverage that in the next one. I know if I didn't present something really well in a meeting, I can change that for the next one. But if nobody gives me that information, I'm clueless. Because exactly. maybe my boss thought I did okay, but maybe one of my peers or one of his peers would say, hey, that was really great, but we also need this from you. Yes. So it's really creating that atmosphere where that information, people feel comfortable exchanging it all the time. And then you have the visibility into it to understand who is this person today, but then also what is their tremendous potential mm -hmm. and how can I empower them to continue to get better? But then also as a leader, how can I help them, coach them, develop them? Because that's all, all that it's really important. Goals are important, but goals are one point in time. This idea of development and really giving clarity and understanding for a person for who they are and how they can continue to grow and get better, I think that's where we really need to spend our energy. Just uh, to recap, I mean, you've talked about culture, you've talked about empowerment, and what I have found that's pervasive throughout your theme is this... Uh, this goal of humanizing the corporate experience and allowing people to bring their authentic selves to, to work yes. and learn and grow. And obviously data has a role in it. It takes leaders to have the fortitude to you know, create the space to consciously create these um, 
environments, uh, make conscious decisions around technology, digital processes, and, and, and so forth. So, I mean, I, I just I could talk with you all day, and I, I'm so glad you you shared this time with me and with our listeners. Any closing you know comments? Uh, and again, so appreciate how you show up in the world. Oh, and thank you for, I mean, the pleasure was all mine. I love talking about this. I'm very excited to see where organizations are going. Um, My closing thoughts are that I I think that we still have a lot to do um, to really help transform organizations, but I'm very encouraged by the pace that I'm seeing things happen. I'm very encouraged by people's energy, by being able to interact with people like you who want to spread the knowledge, want to make everybody aware who is looking to make a difference for how to do it. And so to me, it's, it's the idea of, I, I love that more and more organizations really are putting people first, that, that more organizations are realizing the power of technology and data to do that. And I'm just really, really thrilled about the community that we're creating, where we're constantly helping each other learn and grow. Um, and I'm very optimistic about what the future (laughs) does hold for organizations. Yes. Well, likewise, Sanya, you rock. You know, again, super appreciate you. And uh, thanks for being with me today. You take care. Oh, the pleasure is mine. I'll see you in London next month. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Looking forward to it. Likewise. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for joining the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the Global People Analytics Network, please visit us at globalpeopleanalytics.net.